episode of In Enemy Territory. Today is March 15th, and we're going to be talking about GOAT and a couple of huge milestones reached in the NHL. And before we get into it, just want to do a shout out for the inspiration for the day. March 15th, my beautiful wife Zoe's birthday. She's my rock. Enough said. But let's let's jump right into it. Uh, Cy Young, one of the most prolific pitchers in MLB history, in 1912 on this day, hung up the cleats. He retired from the game after a 22-year career, where he spent the first 10 or so years in Cleveland as a Cleveland Spider. In doing my research, I found a bunch of teams I never heard of before. And Cy Young played for a handful of them. Uh, but Cy retired with 511 wins, 315 losses. Both of them are MLB records. No one's ever going to sniff close to that again. Number two on the wins list is 417. So he's got a 94-win cushion over Walter Johnson. When I say cushion, obviously neither of them are pitching anymore. <laughs> that would be kind of hard. He's got almost 100 wins past number two. And back then, they were getting every decision. They were playing nine-inning games, complete games. You start it, you get the decision. 20 years of 30, 40, 50 starts. Pitchers just don't get decisions like that anymore with, with the way that the game is structured, with relief pitching and, and how systematic it's become. Pitch counts. So, obviously, way different game these days. You know, stuff like ERA still stands the test of time. You know, how many runs are getting scored per nine innings. That's pretty standard. But cumulative wins, batters faced, cumulative stats are obviously these guys who were playing in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Are, I mean, when you, when you just scroll through these stats, if you have like five minutes and you want to be blown away, just look at Cy Young's career log. It's, it's amazing. Some little known facts about him. Every, you know, the biggest, the biggest things we'll talk about, at least I did growing up, is how Cy Young had the most wins, most losses, and all the complete games that he threw. And obviously, the most notable thing about Cy Young is the award that was named after him. We'll talk about that in a minute. Some other amazing stats about Cy Young was he pitched 749 complete games out of 815 games started. About 90-something percent of his games were, were, were in fact, complete games. Um, he's allowed the most earned runs and the most hits, and he's faced 29,500 batters. That just stunned me when I saw that. I just I was just looking at it, not even computing. Like The numbers there are just... And then to have such an amazing career ERA, which was 263. 263 career against 29,500 batters. Ridiculous. Hall of Famer, GOAT, legendary man, and very fitting to have the most prestigious pitching award named after the guy, where he definitely would have won five to ten Cy Young Awards had, had he existed before his lifetime. One thing that comes to mind when, when we talk about how he had the most wins and the most losses, 
Um, I remember at the time when Brett Favre broke the touchdown record, he, he passed Dan Marino. He went on to, to have the most touchdowns at the time. Now Peyton Manning and I think Drew Brees as well have passed that 508. I think actually Peyton's passed it. Drew Brees is getting close. Tom Brady's getting close. But Favre had a good run. Most touchdowns, but also the longevity factor. He had the most interceptions by by a mile. I think Eli Manning is number two, and he just retired. Favre's got a good good 150 interceptions past anyone anyone close. That's that's going to be a hard one to break. And also Nolan Ryan, most career strikeouts by a, by a, by almost a thousand, I think. Definitely the only pitcher to ever go north of 5,000 career strikeouts. But he also walked the most batters. So, you know, when you see someone leading in a category, like, that's cumulative, it's, you you understand why, you know, over such a long period of time, they're just going to rack up those those positives. But also, the, you know, the losses, the interceptions, the walks, they just, it's part of the territory, you know. So it's not necessarily a knock on them. It just kind of shows that that's part of the game. You you hope you hope to come out on top more than you come out on the bottom, and for this great man, Cy Young, he uh, legendary guy. A brief synopsis of his career was he started you know he played nine or ten seasons with the Cleveland Spiders, who I had never heard of, and then he went on to play with the St. Louis Cardinals. A couple years there, then he went to Boston. He was a part of the first ever World Series, Boston against the the Pirates, and the Red Sox won. Cy Young, World Series champion. He eventually moved on, went back to Cleveland, played for the Cleveland Naps. At that time, they were now the Naps, and finished off his career. I think it was just in the last season, he got bounced back to Boston. He played for the Boston Rustlers. He was a ripe old age of about 42, called it quits in 1912 on this day. Kudos to that man. He shaped the game for, for a lot of pitchers coming into the, in the 1900s. Now let's talk about, you know, speaking of Cy Young, you can't talk about him without talking about the Cy Young Award. So I just wanted to talk about a few of the biggest names that come along with the territory. So obviously we'll, we'll get things started by uh, talking about the Rocket. Roger Clemens, not a Hall of Famer yet, but... That's another topic for another day. Uh, Seven-time winner. That's a record. Solid, solid career. Not much more can be said about Roger Clemens other than strikeouts, domination, and wins, and a low ERA. He bounced around between a lot of teams, but that never changed. You know, his you knew what you were getting with him, and you were getting an ace. Even till past 40 years old, he was winning Cy Youngs that year with Houston. He had like a one-something ERA. Not a lot of wins because he didn't have a run support, but I think he was 15 and 10, sub two ERA, and just he, he never stopped. Randy Johnson, five time Cy Young winner, including four in a row with Arizona. Crazy stat I found about the big unit was by age 30, he had only compiled 64 wins. He just took off for the next 15 years between Arizona. And the Yankees, most of it with Arizona. Most of the glory years, including his perfect game at age 40. Monster. Hall of Famer. Six foot ten. And he was an actual monster. 
You know, he, he hit that bird the one time. He won career homer. He did it all. Speaking of winning four straight Cy Young Awards, we got to talk about Greg Maddox, one of the most systematic pitchers of all time, one of the most mechanical pitchers of all time, four straight with Atlanta, 17 gold gloves. You can't talk about Greg Maddox without talking about his just fundamentalism in the game. He was a, a student of the game, and he just did it all. Pitched, fielded like no one else in his class. Sandy Koufax, he won three out of four in the 60s. He had a very short career, 12-year career, but he won three Cy Youngs at that time. And at the time, they didn't vote one for AL, one for NL. They just voted one for the league. So he was number one out of the league instead of splitting two guys a year. But he won three triple crowns also. Most wins, best ERA, most strikeouts. Those three Cy Young seasons combined, he had over 1,000 strikeouts. 25 wins each year that Jew knew how to throw. Clayton Kershaw, three-time Cy Young Award winner, he had all three by the time he was 25 years old. That's the fastest of three Cy Young Awards in history. We got two more guys I want to talk about. Hall of Fame pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles, Jim Palmer. Crazy stat about Jim Palmer. He's a Hall of Famer. Played 19 seasons. Eight different 20-win seasons. He won three Cy Young Awards, three World Series. Most mind-blowing stat that I found on him. He gave up 303 career home runs, zero grand slams. I can't even fathom how that happened. I would say a normal pitcher playing a 162-game season faces the bases loaded at least five to ten times. So if you multiply that by a 19-year career, I don't know how to go this deep and, and find out how many times he, he faced the bases loaded, or else I would have pulled that up. How did he not have the bases loaded against him two, three hundred times? And to not give up a home run? Unreal. I wouldn't even say at that point that that's, that's something that you could say was a testament to him, because when you give up a home run, you gave up a home run. There's either zero guys on base, there's one, two, three, or four, like... It's statistically unreal, that is. But Jim Palmer never gave up a Grand Slam. Talking about Cy Young Awards, my pick for the greatest pitcher of all time to not win a Cy Young Award, Nolan Ryan. He never won a Cy Young. He he came in second place voting once. But I guess, you know, in the 80s, there was a lot of good pitching, you know, including Jim Palmer, who we talked about, Roger Clemens, et cetera, et cetera. So, Nolan Ryan, one of the greatest and most iconic pitchers of all time, never won the individual award. He was a strikeout king many times, but I guess the ERA and the wins might have been lacking. But, you know, Drew Brees has never won an MVP. Sometimes there's just someone better, you know? All right, now let's move on and take a break. Talk about some memorable and historic moments from this day. March 15th, 8th. 1869, the Cincinnati Red Stockings become the first professional Major League Baseball team. That's 150 plus years. We know them now as the Cincinnati Reds. They're the oldest team in, in the game. They're a good team. Haven't been good lately, but definitely mid-90s, later 90s, a bunch of World Series and a bunch of, a bunch of legends that have passed through Cincinnati. Um, and on this day in 1988... St. Louis Cardinals moved to Arizona. 
They're still there to this day. They've made it to one Super Bowl, ran into the Steelers. Not going to talk about that. A couple birthdays for today of note. Bobby Bonds, the father of Barry Bonds. Aside from that being his greatest claim to fame, amazingly, he once did an eight-year stretch of playing for eight different teams. Now, I don't know if that's a record, but it's got to be close to it, if not. I can't imagine someone doing nine and nine, but uh, if someone had told me there was a player who did eight teams in eight years, I wouldn't have believed it. So coming across this, not sure it's a record, but I think it's kind of crazy. Pretty cool, you know? I think Brandon Cooks just got traded from the Rams to the Texans. And someone asked him if he's tired of getting bounced around, and he said, nope, just proves there's demand and people want me. Some guys are lifetime one-teamers. Sometimes guys maybe just split their career one team and other team, and some guys are journeymen, and Bobby Bonds was. And happy birthday to... Kevin Jukulis, Kevin Jukulis, the Jew, the two-time World Series champion with the Boston Red Sox back in my in my younger days. I remember we remember talking about his crazy batting stance he used to have and his big bald head. Fun guy to watch. He wasn't really uh, lighting it up in the statistical categories, but he was a memorable guy. I think he finished with the Chicago White Sox. Happy birthday, you know. So those are the two birthdays of the day. Let's move on. Talk about some historic milestones that happened in the NHL on this day, March 15th, 1997. Joe Mullen of the Pittsburgh Penguins scores his 500th career goal. That makes him the first U.S. born player to score 500 goals. It's pretty impressive. We don't really talk about Joe Mullen much these days. He obviously was a great great hockey player but I feel like a lot of players during the Lemieux Gretzky era especially guys from from the teams when you talk about the championship teams and stuff you obviously bring them up but like when you talk about the era you're not talking about Mullen or or some of the supporting cast you're talking about Gretzky, Lemieux, Yager, Messier, Brian Leach all those guys so Joe Mullen Playing with guys like Lemieux and Yager, he won a cup with the Pens. He, you know, he he was he was right in the middle of things. You know, he was really right there. Makes me want to talk about some of the best U.S.-born players, in my opinion, that have played in the past, you know, twenty, thirty years. I'm not going to go in any specific order because it's kind of hard to really say best, worst, you know, due to positional differences. You know, how do you say a goalie is better than a centerman? So I'll just, let's just talk about Patrick Kane, three-time champ, Art Ross, over a point per game for 10 plus years now at this point. He's been in the, right in the middle of all of the big goals that Chicago scored to, to clinch cups, to get back to the cup, overtime playoff goals, and president's trophies, winning streaks. He's had 28 games scoring streak. Basically over a decade of being top five player in the league. Definitely one of the best U.S. born players of all time. Can't say he's the best, like I said, but can't talk about them without without his name right in the mix. Another guy, Mike Medano, Stanley Cup champion, 
500 plus goals as well captain down in dallas and just a iconic career a couple goalies that you can't talk about american-born players without talking about it. mike richter the new york rangers and jonathan quick two-time stanley cup champion for the la kings got them their first and second cups of all time and defensemen there was a few but i actually want to talk about john carlson of the washington capitals i obviously feel some kind of way about him being a penguins fan but i have nothing but the utmost respect for him he's the first part of his career he quietly was was turning into an elite defenseman he's just been consistently getting better and better playing with great teams finally this past season got cut short he 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 was going to give 100 points a try he he was racking up the points john carlson was i mean he didn't get voted yet but definitely going to be the norris definitely going to win it he had the most points 30 games into a season since Bobby Orr. That's saying something. And speaking of Bobby Orr, on this day, March 15th, 1970, he scored his 100th point of the season. Becoming the first defenseman to score 100 points in a season, he went on to win the scoring title. He had 120 points. He scored 100 points a handful of times after that. Uh, this would be his first year winning the Hart Trophy. He won it three straight years. He won two different scoring titles and eight straight Norris trophies. That year in 1970, he scored the Stanley Cup winning goal in overtime where we've all seen the clip of him scoring and kind of flying over the goalie and the Superman arms out knowing he just won the Stanley Cup for his team. Bobby Orr, one of the most offensively talented hockey players in history I mean, he he just changed the game the way defensemen kind of learned how to just take control of the puck move it up ice make plays happen and just his hockey iq when people talk about him i, I recently read an autobiography by john beliveau the great montreal canadian from the 1960s 70s this was written in 1994, so let's say about 10, 10 plus years into Wayne Gretzky's career, and you know having the most ten of the most ridiculous seasons anyone's ever had statistically. And he's talking about how you can't deny how Wayne Gretzky has changed the face of the game, but what people forget is the way that Bobby Orr changed the face of the game. He was scoring a hundred points as a defenseman; no one had ever done it before. Eight straight years as the best defenseman, but three MVPs and two scoring titles in a league where they had Stan Mikita and and Hall and John Beliveau himself. And just for a defenseman to just step up and start taking over the game, leading the Bruins to a couple cups. And if not for his bad knees, he wouldn't have had such a short career. He would have like he didn't reach a thousand points, but. His points per game was was amazing. I mean, he. A lot of people say that although Wayne Gretzky is easily the easiest pick to say the best player of all time, Bobby Orr is a strong number two, like super close, if not tied for talent wise, maybe even better. So, just wanted to mention how on this day, 
we saw the first flash of, of greatness when Bobby Orr scored that 100th point. It was a precursor to what he was going to go on and do in his career. With that, we'll conclude the episode. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. It really is an honor and a pleasure to be working on this podcast. Really enjoying it. Hope you guys are too. And if you want to follow, get a little more info on the podcast, I've got a Instagram page. You can follow at IET Podcast. Facebook.com slash IET Podcast. I'll put some content out and uh, definitely be letting you know when episodes are going to be coming out. Maybe tease it a little, let you know what to expect. It's maybe a little heavier handed in hockey or baseball or football. Maybe once in a while we'll, we'll lean more towards the NBA. But, anyways, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.